Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. everyone and welcome to a bonus episode of True North True Crime. As most of you know, we recently released episode 27 where we covered the unsolved murder of Tanner Krupa. Well, it turns out that one of our podcast heroes, Jordan Bonaparte of the Nighttime Podcast, also released an episode about Tanner's murder. This culminated in what we are calling a Canadian true crime podcast eclipse. Um, Jordan came up with the idea to invite us on his show this week to talk about Tanner's story. And we jumped at the opportunity to shed some more light on Tanner's case. So we want to release the conversation that we had with Jordan as a bonus episode for our listeners. Just a warning for folks used to listening to our narrative style here at True North True Crime, this episode with Jordan was a lot more casual, conversational, and at times lighthearted. We focused our attention on Tanner's case, of course, but we also spoke about other Canadian cases and the Canadian podcasting landscape. We are super grateful to Jordan for bringing us onto his show. And of course, we stand with the group of family and hope that they see justice soon. And for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the Nighttime Podcast, you should definitely go check it out. But there's an inside joke in this episode about Glove Guy, which is one of Nighttime's most famous episodes. If you haven't heard the Glove Guy episode of the Nighttime Podcast, we definitely encourage you to go listen to that one. If you would like to donate to True North True Crime, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. All right, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our live interview on the Nighttime Podcast with Jordan Bonaparte. True North True Crime, live on YouTube. Is it, I think you said before we started, this is your first live appearance is that right yeah yeah it is it's very true we are both kind of nervous to be live but we're very excited yeah yeah well, it's our first <laughs> first time doing a live youtube well, um 
it's also maybe our first my first time having like a true Canadian true crime podcast eclipse. We both without any planning. I, I was I had a story the interview with Kim lined up, Tanner Krupa's mom. I was just about to do the interview, and then I saw you post on Instagram like our next episode will be the story of Tanner Krupa. I was like, a part of me is like, oh no. But then at the same time, I'm like, this is a good opportunity to like blow this up. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. We we actually had, it was a, a friend of the family was a listener of our podcast and reached out to us and said like, there's a new awareness campaign. Can you, do you think you might be able to help? And then we watched the awareness video, what happened to Tanner. And then that night it was on global news here. And I okay. we realized there was a major media blitz and I'm like, we need to cover this case. Weird. I yeah. wonder if it's the same person. Cause I hadn't, I had not heard of Tanner's case. Mm-hmm. I got a, a message. Um, mine was through Twitter. Someone recommending I cover the story. They gave me the link to Tanner's, um, the video that, yeah. that you described there. And so very similar experience, but I'm guessing it kind of shows the power of when when there's a story that wants exposure, hopefully mm-hmm. you know to get tips or or whatnot, the power of reaching out to like media and even podcasts, yeah. like because it's between the two of us, I'm sure that well between the three of us, our two shows, I'm sure you know a ton of people who hadn't heard Tanner's story, not only heard the story but got like you know a 50 minute deep dive into it and exactly yeah and what was interesting like we. Although we both tackled the same story, I just finished listening to your to your episode and you both took a, a different approach. Mine was um, I did an interview with Tanner's mom, Kim. So it was more about, you know, the story from her point of view, as well as her experiences of, you know, losing a son so tragically. Yeah. You, you took a different approach where you really got into like the investigation. Like how long have mm-hmm. you been working on this case? Um, uh, we started working on it probably about, uh, two weeks ago. Um, but things moved very, very quickly and, and generally with our podcast, um, although we do interviews, cause we do a lot of missings and unsolves, um, we, uh, we also, um, when we cover, uh, victims of violent crime that have, has gone to court, uh, we usually pick cases where we're not happy with the outcome at trial or, or the appeals process, um, that kind of thing. So, um, a lot of our podcasts, our episodes do have the personal touch of the family, but we also do deep dive into like voir dire and the, you know, the agreed upon statements of fact at court and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Cause we want to try and be as factual as possible too. We're very familiar with finding court documents. Yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> it absolutely is exhausting. I think um, earlier on, like when I started my show, I did a lot more of that side of things, like researching, going through the history. I was forever at, uh, we called it the, in Halifax anyway, it's called the public archives, which mm-hmm. is where I can access all the old newspapers and stuff. Um, but my issue when I was doing that was I was finding like, I was really happy with the episodes, but I found the I couldn't release stuff consistently yep. enough and I was just drowning in in the facts, but yep. you, you're like a, you're both spring chickens. How long have you been making <laughs> true North true? You'll get to yeah. be old and jaded like me eventually, but how long have you been doing true North true crime? Uh, we started in June of last year. So it's, we're actually at our one year anniversary. Well, um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's been amazing. I mean, everybody started a podcast during COVID, but um... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've heard that the number one sponsor of podcasts <laughs> in Canada is the CERB benefit thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Serb, for the Blue Yeti microphones. And uh, yeah. another 
Serb podcast. Yeah, yeah there's, exactly. there's a lot. But that said, listening to your show, you're both passionate. So I, I think uh, the pandemic was just the, maybe the push you need at the start or gave you the opportunity to start. And uh, you've been doing it a year. I've, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's something like, you know, like 5% of podcast people who actually mm-hmm. start podcasts make it past, you know, three months or something like that. We didn't so know how crazy the numbers were on podcasts. It's something like 1% of podcasts end up with, you know, a hundred thousand downloads. It's, mm-hmm. or even less than that. So yeah. a lot of people just start a podcast, get in over their head, don't realize how incredibly difficult it is to continue doing it and just say, screw this, and then leave with one episode. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I've actually researched it, and the amount that have just one episode is shocking. Mm-hmm. All right. well, well, what I find is the amount that don't even have one. What I see is like, because when someone follows you on Twitter or something, mm-hmm. um, I find so many times I get followed by, you know, it'll be uh, webcam pod, at webcam pod. And yeah. I'll like click on the profile and it'll be like an upcoming podcast about webcams. Yeah. You know, then their next post is <laughs> yeah. like, we're on Patreon now. And <laughs> then they just like, then they're just dead and extinct and they never release an episode. I would like to know what percent of like podcast related social media accounts go on <laughs> to release an episode. Oh yeah. I know it's, it's crazy. I mean, it hasn't been easy. I mean, I think we both knew the amount of dedication and time it would take, mm-hmm. but I think even then we underestimated it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we both, I mean, I, I still have a full-time job, um, in the film industry and you're still part-time, but this is, you know, 55 hours a week. This is yeah. another full-time job entirely. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's a lot, but it's amazing and it's super rewarding. And we've, we're so thankful that so many families have reached out to us and talked to us. Um, it's been incredibly rewarding. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think the amount of work in the limited amount of like financial reward you get for doing it. I think that's oh, yeah. the, that's the gatekeeper to keep yeah. it like to keep indie podcasting, like mine and your, your show to keep mm-hmm. that genuine and sincere. Like if someone it's different, if you're hired by some, you know, to read, write scripts or read scripts or whatever, for some company that's, you know, of making podcasts. But when you're just like starting one on a laptop in your bedroom, if you were actually doing it, for money, you would quit really early on yes. and get a job at a, you know, just some place hiring in town and make a lot yeah, well, more with better hours. I'm, I'm lucky because I, my, uh, I, I have experience in social work, but I also worked as an actor and comedian for 20 years. So <laughs> I'm, I'm used to like it being hard, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it, you know, and, and, and low financial reward and then spikes of success and then no success. So I, it's almost like I, I, um, you know, have a sadistic quality when it comes to uh, creative endeavors. It's yeah, like, well, I if this doesn't right. make me any money, then I'm doing it right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with with your podcast, True North True Crime, you really go f- far into the advocacy side of things. Like even when you, because I was watching when you were releasing the promotion for your episode about Tanner, is your your posts? You were straight up calling out the people involved like you know we're going mm-hmm. you weren't saying this but you were only a step away from like we are going to find you and you're going to go down for this so yeah. like your show you very much are you're it seems to me anyway that you're prioritizing the advocacy side of things ahead of you know becoming celebrities you do like it for example we're not using your video right now yeah uh, people who are watching maybe tell us why why that is just um i think for for both of us 
there's a lot of true crime cases where people focus on people that are, you know, privileged people. They tend to get a lot of um, media right away. And then the people like, you know, that we've covered who might have addiction issues or, you know, behavioral issues or anything like that. We believe that they deserve as much media and as much attention no one deserves to get murdered, go missing, have anything like that happen to them, regardless of their lifestyle, um, anything that's happened to them, anything like that. So we think it's incredibly important to advocate for every single human being who has had anything yeah. negative happen to them, regardless of their circumstance. Yeah, we're kind of looking at it because um, we had we had a big huddle before we started the podcast about our values and our ethics. Like, what do we really want to do? Because we could just go out there and be, you know, and, and spout off minor details about, uh, you know, broad strokes details about a, a horrific serial killer, mm. you know, and we'll probably, and if we named, if we named the episode William Picton, we'd probably get more downloads, but we'll never name an episode after a person who committed a crime the crime because mm. they they they're researchable and what we've also found is that they because they are the person who lived they tend to have their story told um, more than the victim's story because the, the agreed upon statement of facts at trial tend to be that person's narrative being debunked by the crown um, mm. but they still get their story out like uh, Natsumi Kogawa William Schneider her murderer gets to say well she tried to sleep with me but we don't know if that's true. In fact, we know that it's not true. Mm -hmm. um, so our thing is like, how do we voice, how do we bring a voice to victims? And also, and this is not a, a call out of any podcast at all, but how do we make ethical true crime, mm. you know, as a, as a genre, uh, you know, and I grew up, you know, loving all kinds of true crime and stuff, but now I have to, now that when you're writing the words down and you're doing the research, my question to us is what if the family hear this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I I get that, and I think a part of the way, or one way to really make that uh, apparent with what you're doing is to actually involve the family in what yeah. you're doing, and it, that's something that we have in common. Like when I was going to do Tanner's story, my first step was to try to contact friends, family, people close to him to see who was willing to talk. And uh, in my case, I connected with his mom, Kim, and it's immediately we hit it off like old friends. And I went yeah. into that being like, I want to help her share her story. Tanner seems like just like it, his story. One of the things that really resonated was it didn't seem like there was anything about him that would make him a higher risk or put him in a situation where you're like, yeah. Oh, that's, you know, that will exactly, you I know. know, it just seemed like he was just a regular guy who, basically a bolt of lightning came down and struck him is, is mm -hmm. the way it seems. And, and when that's the story and you're connected with the family, even if it's just like a zoom call or whatever, it's very easy to, to feel it in your heart. I find I'm, yeah. I'm so, uh, I think empathetic is the word. And yeah. my, my heart breaks for her. And as a parent myself, hearing her describe losing her, her son, her only son like that, it's, um, it makes it very easy to be like, I'm going to do everything I can to help this person and yeah. these people. And uh, yeah. I, I can tell you, you feel the same. So when I listened to your episode, that was the vibe I, I got right off the bat. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel like I, I knew so many guys just like Tanner. Tanner mm -hmm. is such a, he was, he seems like such a normal 19 year old in mm -hmm. Canada and just what happened to him is so unfathomable. It's, it's, 
awful. And realistically, too, he was only 19 for six days. Yeah. Like, oh, he yeah, just that's... turned 19. He was a kid. Like, you yeah. know, and when I was doing my episode, I, I even had to ask my wife, I was like, a 19 year old, should I call him like a, a boy man? or a yeah. man, like a 19 year old man? He just turned 19. Because when I think of myself as a 19 year old, oh, I God. was a kid. I was a kid. Yeah. But I guess mm-hmm. legally, I'm a man. Yeah. I know. And I know. Yeah. And I was even thinking when I was talking to his mom, Kim, I was saying like, he must've been pretty brave to, you know, go to the next province to work. Like when I was a 19 year old, there was no way I was ready to like, you know, even to go away for two weeks alone to, yeah. to work. I didn't even have a job. <laughs> I was yeah, trying to I know. figure out how to get yeah. unemployment insurance. <laughs> I know. Same here. And he <laughs> was going to a different province to, you know, live with strange people and go do these like really, you know, difficult manual labor jobs. I mean, he, he was doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he was enrolled, he was enrolled for school for September mm-hmm. to come back and be a fitness instructor. So even, you know, these, these directional drilling jobs were just, were just a way to make some, some money. And I, and from, if, if I've heard the information correctly, um, it was, uh, uh, Kim had hooked him up with his mom had hooked him up with this directional drilling job, I believe in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's a photo on his Instagram of him to working a job up in Dawson Creek. So he'd already sort of like had, um, some experience, some experience doing it probably in the summers, you know, that kind of thing when they needed them. And, um, you know, it was just, a, it's a, if for Alberta kids, it's a real fast way to make money. You know, you go up to the oil patch, you bring back a, a fat stack of cash, and then you, you know, you, you go to school or do whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah. Well, here on the East coast of Canada, it's so common for people to go out there and work for, uh, you know, three weeks, you go up there, you come home for mm-hmm. a month, you go back for three weeks. So like my, even my dad, he, for the last few years has gone out West to work on these kind of, I just call them labor camps. I don't even yep. know what they do, but it, it's, <laughs> it seems like that's kind of what Tanner was doing. He was just going away for you know a couple of weeks, staying at a place that his employer or the company that he worked for had. And, yep. and when I, when I hear his story, so first of all, there's the connection with him and his mom that I felt that drew me in, but then there's also, I'm like such a sucker for mysteries in his case is an absolute mystery, which starts mm-hmm. right from the beginning. Why the hell? Like we're, it, it seems the story I got is that he left to go to the store to buy cigarettes or something in the late yeah. evening, somehow, despite not knowing anyone else in this city, somehow in the early morning hours, he gets found dead after an altercation in an alleyway. What do you make of that? Yeah. So- um, so, so some new, some new information has come to light, uh, last night. Um, and, um, what we've been able to do is we have sourced the GPS record on the truck on the, the, cause they, cause the roommate and, and Tanner were using the company truck and staying in a company rental house. Okay. So we now, we now have the GPS coordinates of the truck and not only that, but we have the, um, the, um, incoming and outgoing cell phone um, uh, calls uh, from the roommate's company phone. Okay. So we've been able to start to plot things out a little bit. So we do know that, so as the story goes, they were at Boston Pizza earlier that night. They came back to the rental house. Tanner goes out at 2, 10 a.m. in around there to go get a pack of cigarettes. His body is found at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Okay. I didn't realize it was that late that he, that he left. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I have text messages from his girlfriend at the time where he says, thinking about going out, she says, where he says the Chevron she's, 
And then she says, isn't it late? And he says, 210 here. Because she's in Edmonton. Edmonton, and she thinks it's 310. Okay. Um, so so give or take, so so back at just backing up to the, the Boston Pizza thing, we assumed that they were at a Boston Pizza that was near his, his house, the rental house. But they weren't. According to the GPS positioning on the work truck, they were actually at the Elements Casino. Um, and there is a Boston Pizza about four large blocks up from there. Okay. So- but they were at the they were actually at the casino parked because the truck was registered as idled um, for an hour and thirty minutes. Then they they were back at the rental house by ten fifty four p.m. Then at two two ten a.m. we have the text message saying I'm going to the store. Um, so let's let's bring him back from the walk to the store, which is only a ten minute walk away. Um, he's back at the apartment because the, the gas station's closed. The he gas station's get, closed. He can't get a pack of cigarettes. It closes at eleven thirty. He didn't know that. He didn't realize. So he walked there anyway. Okay. So the so the roommate then states that um, he woke up to the sound of Tanner coming home, uh, and that he had gone to bed, um, and then he had a brief discussion with Tanner to not go out with strangers. Uh, Tanner decided to go out with the strangers in the strange car. Uh, the roommate states uh, that uh, one guy was shorter than Tanner with kind of short, bald hair uh, and perhaps pointy ears. And then, um, yeah, and then, and then here's the thing is, um, so I hit release the video of the two cars, right? Mm -hmm. So the, by the map that I'm looking at, the two cars are not driving away from the scene of the crime. The two cars are driving towards the scene of the crime. Oh, so they are coming through. Yeah, the we looked on yeah. we looked on Google Maps because we know that yeah. you said it was going away from it, and we had to look on. We had to, we were like, oh, is Jordan right? Yeah. Are we right? Who? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got away from it. I th I thought it was a like um I don't know if it was the Crime Stoppers video, but mm -hmm. yes, yeah, somewhere I saw it referred to by the police as like. Two vehicles way. speeding away or leaving the scene or something like that. Yeah, we yeah. had to street view the corner where it was. And we looked at it and we're like, okay, well, there's the bus there's stop. There's the park and there's the bus and stop. And there's a sign that there's a light yeah. reflecting off of. And we had to do it that way. And they are actually going towards, towards it. The, the lane. Yeah, so, 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 and that's at 3.30. Okay, okay, so if we back up here, we've got, we've got Tanner leaves the house 2.10. Let's say he's Ish. back at the house 3-ish. Something happens um, between then and 3.30 when the cars race towards the laneway location. Then they, they, they're they heading west. They turn right up 128th, and then they turn into the strip mall. There's an altercation, which I think the RCMP had a call on. We I believe that that was Tanner being removed from the car. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're not really sure if there was actually like an altercation at that scene yeah. or if the commotion was more so them you know, him. Yeah. Panicking, like get him out of the car and, 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 you know, and Tanner injured because there are 17 um, evidence markers that go towards where his body was covered in the mm -hmm. tarps of the crime scene. So I, uh, my belief is that there were two locations huh. for this crime or happen. whatever happened, happened in the vehicle. Yeah. We will be back with more of our Canadian true crime podcast eclipse episode with the nighttime podcast after a quick break. Thank you. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And we are back. We now return to our conversation with Jordan at the Nighttime Podcast. You're blowing my mind. Where did you get all this stuff? So, oh man. <laughs> so, without don't get specifics, yeah. but yeah. So we have there's a, there's a little bit of an army that's organized around around Kim and and Randy and Mike and Brittany, which is Tanner's family. And there are people that you know they either get invested in in it or they you know, for a period of time or whatever. So um, right now there's a few people that I've been aligned with who've been very invested in it and they're giving me a lot of this okay. information and I'm getting the actual, I'm getting the actual receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sound like a teenager. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> we, have, right? we have the receipts. Yeah. So we're getting the actual receipts on this and, and there's even more that's coming to light. Um, wow. Yeah. And even just as we speak, there's, there's going to be uh, there's going to be more information, I believe, ne- like at some point this week into next week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this case, I'm gonna call it. A, this case, I think, is gonna be solved soon. It, it's, it, when I look at the video of the car, the two cars, even going to or from, that would, it, with the, there being at least two cars, I know there's already a couple people who mm-hmm. are involved and know what happened. It's just yeah. a matter of one of them, somebody, making, someone yeah. saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. Or the relationships between those people mm-hmm. going sour and someone, mm-hmm. you know, being a tipster or something. I, I think yeah. um, it's, it, I'm shocked that this case hasn't been solved because it's not, it doesn't seem like whatever happened doesn't seem like this organized thing. It no. was, I'm, I'm thinking it was either as far as how he got with this crew, God knows at this point, but I think it was either like a robbery gone wrong or maybe like a fight or something yeah. with people just dis- a disagreement that went out of control. Did- I think there was alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. I think there was young men who were under the influence of whatever they were doing that night and, you know, tempers or whatever happened. Well, you have, you have blue collar people making good money and, you know, I'm going to say like, you know, there, there were probably some lines being snorted and stuff like that. So there's a high level of aggression, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That can occur. And then also that Newton Wally area of Surrey is is hardcore. Like I know there's nice people there. I know they have nice neighborhoods and a community feel, but Newton Wally um, is rougher, especially that Chevron at 64th and King George. And then on top of that, there has been an escalating gang uh, turf war there since the nineties. So even if you're not a, necessarily a gangster, you are kind of, you think, you think you are, yeah. you know, especially if you're a young, 
um, you know, guy who leans that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I get that. It, any sign of, or any idea of how Tanner would have connected with these people? Cause it's like, it's, if he didn't know a lot of people there, all I could think of is maybe either ran into someone on the street or maybe if they were at the casino, kind of like at a bar, ran into somebody, any, any idea of what the connection could be? So I have two ideas. One is, so Frank Jang flew to Edmonton. Uh, Frank Jang's the IHIT spokesperson. And for yeah. those that don't know, Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is a combination of the RCMP um, uh, and several municipal police forces in British the Columbia. in the southern uh, south coast or, or lower mainland of, of Vancouver or British mm-hmm. Columbia area. And I just so, got to say, there's only going to be that kind of cooperation between the li- different law enforcement <laughs> agencies if there's really a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's why they created I hit because they just they weren't. Yeah, like exactly. we're all getting our butts kicked. We got a team. Yeah. Up yeah. And, see and it. the other thing is, as you mentioned, you're, you're surprised that this case hasn't been solved. And like, I am as well. But at the same time, I'm kind of not with just how insanely busy I hit is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the amount of um, gang gang murders that are going on here and just unsolved cases. They're so busy. And I mean, I know that this case will be solved. I don't think it was a bunch of geniuses who carried it out. Mm. I think these were just run-of-the-mill everyday people who made a mistake Mm -hmm. and made a bad decision and it will get solved, but yeah. in a series know, of bad decisions after of course, it, yeah. that, of course. Ends, that ends Absolutely. in this. And, but and but when, get, when that happens, sorry to get us off. Yeah, the yeah, no, right? yeah. But when that happens, those are the cases where people screw up. And if there's multiple people involved, mm-hmm. the, the chances of that are that much higher. But then again, this has been four years now and yeah, they haven't spoke to the wrong person, but you, you go on. And well, actually, Kim has said that one of the investigators said, Kim, if this was our, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. He said, if this was our only case, it'd be solved by now. Like they have enough information, but you know, you know, this from doing uh, crime pods is that, you know, we have a high threshold uh, for the crown to prove homicide in Canada. And that is to avoid wrongful convictions. And I, and I agree with that on some level. But at the same time, you know, like if if the if the police put forward like this is what we got, and the crown looks at it and says, "I no, I can't go forward with this," then they won't go forward with charges, mm-hmm. and it's very challenging. Mm-hmm. So, to get back to the Ed or the uh, how did he know these people? So Frank Jang from IHIT flies to Edmonton. This is rare for an IHIT spokesperson mm-hmm. to go to another city. He flies there and he says, "We know, we know, not we believe, we know that people involved with Tanner's." murder are now in the Edmonton area. So with that piece of evidence, I think to myself, because the question is, how did Tanner know these people? Did he know them from the Edmonton area? So we have two cars filled with young men driving around Surrey at 3.30 in the morning. They're all 20-ish. What are the odds they don't know? And I'm not saying everybody knows each other in a a town the size of Edmonton, but what are the odds they wouldn't have some sort of crossover? Mm -hmm. And then the other the other thought that I have is that um, if I was new to a town and I had a roommate who knew people in that town, I would trust those people. Yeah, if the roommate knew these people. If the roommate knew those people, and he's you know he's like, hey, yeah, these are good guys. Or, you know, and this is the third one is it was random, but I just don't think it was. Yeah, I mean, and like we we've had information from family members that Tanner was not the type of person to just get into a car with a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's, that's so unlikely to me. I mean, it could be, I mean, what do I know? But I mean, what are the odds that he just a random group of guys 
pull up in a car and they're like, Hey man, you want to go out? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. It no. doesn't work. Like I, I'm thinking it of my own experiences work. and I can't remember a time where I would, uh, where I get in a car with a group of strange guys that like, I didn't even know. if you're drunk, yeah. you're still probably going to be like, nah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Especially yeah, in alone. a different city. Like if I'm away exactly. on a work trip, let's say for even for two weeks, yeah, I would be so cautious that, yeah, yeah. Th there's no way that that would happen. But you must what, have had some connection. Yeah. If two cars pulled up to, to you and you're at the Chevron parking lot, you realize the Chevron's closed and then you hear your name called, you look over, you see a familiar face out of one of the two cars. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, you know, we're, we're hanging out tonight. Oh, I've got some beers left at the rental house. Let's stop and get those. Mm -hmm. Maybe is it is an idea that it occurred, but that, but not, not, but not, Hey, random strange man, no. you want to come hang out with us and our two, our two gangster looking cars. I got some gloves you can try on. Yes. Le <laughs> no. Listeners of my show will get that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like it was something yeah. like that. So, and just so to be clear, cause I didn't realize this happened. Tanner went to the, to the gas station. Mm -hmm. It was closed. He arrived back at his house or his apartment or whatever you want to call it. And these people or at least some of the people in these cars were with him. When allegedly. Yeah, but they, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. And they did, they did not come into the house. Okay. But um, the roommate saw them. Okay. Allegedly. But didn't see them or remember them. Okay. So if that is true, it's, it changes kind of what my theory was. Cause what I imagined happened was Tanner went out and in my, like, I didn't know all these details. So I thought mm -hmm. he just went to the store, maybe got cigarettes. I was thinking mm -hmm. maybe he was just bored in a new city didn't know anyone. He just went for a walk, having a cigarette and someone, you know, pulled up on him right. to rob him. Or, you know, if you're out smoking, people yeah, will yeah. ask you for cigarettes all the yeah. time. I remember I smoked 15 years ago and I, I was forever random cars or people yeah. asking me at night, can I have a cigarette? And me being intimidated, be like, here, yeah, um, just take it, please. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what I thought, but that it, it seems like there's a lot more to it. This is well, it a, sounds like he didn't even get the cigarettes. So mm -hmm. he, you know, that might have not been a reason that he got approached. But I mean, you're you're not gonna know if you're going to a new town that the gas station closes at eleven thirty. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna assume it's a late night gas or station. Or a twenty four hour yeah, gas station. What kind of gas station closes at eleven? They're all I thought they were all twenty four hours. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, that's that's something. When I talked to Kim, there was something I I didn't want to ask her because it was, mm -hmm. I could tell it. She didn't want to go there in all of my reading online. I couldn't find like an official answer to this is what exactly was his, his cause of death. I've seen like assault altercation, but when I look at the crime scene, like where, where he's covered in a tarp and they have all the mm -hmm. evidence markers, that mm -hmm. doesn't seem like that would be the case with an assault. Usually you see that when a gun is involved and they're like putting where all the spent shell yeah. casings and stuff. Do you have, have you found out what the actual cause of death was? So, so actually some, an Edmonton media outlet reported it as a hit and run. Yeah. It, um, very you know, early but, on. Right? Yeah. But it was, um, so I believe that um, I hit has a lot of holdback evidence on this mm -hmm. case and cause of death is the number one thing they're holding back. Interesting. Um, Cause only the people who did it would know. Yeah. And, and perhaps like where it was reported as a hit and run that may have just been speculation because he was in an alleyway yeah, or yeah, maybe yeah. in the middle of this altercation and the assault that people use vehicles as weapons all the yeah. time. So yeah. we'd be speculating, but I guess if, if it's holdback evidence, then that is why I wasn't tracking it down. Cause I thought it was weird that 
the answer wasn't wasn't no, out there and where where the word assault was used like that just put this image in my head and maybe that's why i was going where i was seeing it as a like a, a mugging that yeah. became violent right. or physical. and they actually i don't think they've said assault either i think they just keep on saying altercation which is this uh yeah. word that can be word. Yeah. i hit you know we know that the the authorities are very choosy with their words and yeah. i appreciate that they have to do that but it's you know it's altercation 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 yeah so throwing an incident here and there just for color yes um, yeah. but yeah, yeah it's it's kind of it can be painful as a news watcher when you're trying to understand a story and there it's intentionally vague in every aspect but in this case just like you've said i i bet you they have a really good idea of who did it and who is involved mm-hmm. and any information that becomes public is information that they can't kind of can't hold against the people involved so the less that gets out there publicly it, it just kind of makes it riskier for the people involved to say yeah. or do anything so yeah. well, and I think that that's why it's very interesting that they released the car videos one year after he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that wasn't like, you know, if they had released the car video uh, on day two, they would have said something like, we believe these cars were involved. But for them to really, you know, what they'll do is if a case goes unsolved long enough, they start to, to seep out some breadcrumbs, right, to get mm-hmm. the public's interest again. So somebody, a, a, a committee of people, decided to release the car videos a year later and say, without a doubt, these cars are involved. It wasn't a maybe. It was mm-hmm. kind of, we believe, you know, it wasn't, I don't even think it was, we believe. It's no, like they're these, like, these cars were involved. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a very important piece of evidence. I think that they, they were trying to hold back. Um, and then they were like, okay, it's been a year. Let's get this out to get people talking about this case again. Yeah. Is- maybe an act of death, no, not desperation, but just a way to stoke the flames as well as a yeah. way like it, their law enforcement and the investigators, they're intelligent in how they handle the media. So yeah, that's why always you see news coverage of a case on the anniversary because it gives the press a reason to talk about it again. And the, so the law enforcement will lean on that with press releases, but releasing a video is a way to not only get mentions on the news, but actually get like some solid screen time. But the, um, I'm sure you've watched the video several times. I was one of the cars. It looked to me as if it had some, I don't know if it was damage or like a weird design down the side. Yeah. Yeah, It almost looks like some sort of decal. And that's on the Toyota Corolla, which is a white, I I believe. It's on the Civic, isn't it? No, it's the, isn't it the first car that goes through? I thought the Civic went through. Oh, oh, no, the Civic Civic goes through second. Second, yes. Yeah, so it's the, it's it's the Civic. Oh, it's the Civic? Okay, yeah, so the it's second the Civic. Car, I'm, I'm okay, it, yeah. so it's the Civic. So they're both white cars. So there's a white Toyota Corolla, which I believe is a 2014 to 2017 model, because I actually have a 20, uh, 2014 Toyota Corolla, and it's the same body. Aren't they great cars? Um, yeah, yeah, very great car. <laughs> um, uh, and then the Civic is also a newer model, also white. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the, what the year is, but I assume kind of the same. Um, and yeah, it looks like there is some sort of strange, weird lower design on the driver's side of the vehicle on the on the doors. Yeah. So, I mean, that has to be a car that somebody recognizes. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, when I watched that video, that was my first thought. I was like, if that was my friend's car or a car on the street or something near mm-hmm. my house, it definitely would stand out. Um, have the have the authorities ever said why they suspect it? the people involved were back in Edmonton or was that just something they just randomly said that made everyone go like, Oh, um, well, uh, 
so they, hmm, I believe that they know who did this 100%. Or at least one of the people were involved. More than one. So, because he said, because actually Frank Chang said, individuals involved have moved back to the Edmonton area or moved to the Edmonton area. So the more than one of them had gone back. Um, And so that I, I think, you know, that's why, that's why he said that. Um, I do know that a person who has inserted themselves into this case that we talked about in our episode, uh, who we referred to as Badger, we know um, that he was back in the Edmonton area in or around that time. I can't 100% prove it. I don't have the receipts on that, but I do, I do, we do have a very good idea of where he has been um, in the last two months. Um, and it could, it could be presented as the Edmonton area. Wow. I think yeah. whoever did this is is sweating it though. Cause it's like a hundred percent. If you, if, if let's say if they were alone with Tanner, they would have a reason. And, and when this happened, they could, they could be like, I just got to keep my mouth shut. But if there's other people involved that saw it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's when I saw your posts on social media, that's kind of who you were shouting to with oh, yeah. some of your posts. Like if you saw this, if you know what happened. And I think there's at least five plus people who are either have been in contact with this person who know what happened, who have um, communicated via, uh, you know, whether it be electronic communication with this person, there are people that know, and these people need to come forward because the heat is not going to go away. And I hit has everything. Everything that I've seen. Yeah. And we've seen a lot it, of conversations everything between I, people. Yeah. Everything that I've seen, our, I hit already has it. And, and I know that it like, it feels a little call uh, what we did the other day um, with that post and with that part of the episode, but it's also like, just, I mean, we're just being honest. Like I have no, I have no card to play on this person. I don't know this person. I just know that if they are truly trying to live a different way of life right now, um, they, there's still some amends that they need to make for the pain that they caused the group of family. And, and that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And and if they were just being um, just being a loud talker and they had nothing to do with it, then they should probably talk to IHIT or the Krupa family and let them know, hey, I know I've inserted myself as a suspect here and I need you to know I was in addiction um, and I was just talking nonsense and I'm so sorry that I inserted myself into your family's pain. Or I was there that night and I, I'm going to go to jail now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, the reward, I believe, is it 30000 It's that? I can't remember. It, it's there's 10, there's, but yeah, there's a significant there's a reward. reward. Yeah. There's a yeah. reward enough to get some person who is there. That's no longer connected with the fella who actually did it. There's enough money on the table for it to be worth that person's time of, you know, coming exactly. forward. And I mean, there shouldn't even have to be a reward. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reward is peace of mind. Um, but you know, if the money is exciting to someone, yeah. Then please come forward with any information that you have. It can be the smallest piece of information, just anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think with with a a reward, like a, the right thing to do is to come forward of, of course, uh-huh. but but I think with a reward, say there's four or five people who know what happened, um as time passes, maybe their friendships change and one person comes forward, but if that doesn't happen, maybe mm-hmm. one of those four or five people is broke. And it's yep. just the motivation for like, you know, I'm not going to look out for that yeah. Jimmy anymore. I'm, I got to look after my kid or whatever. And yeah. like, cause that could be enough to, to move it. But as 
many cases, unsolved cases that I, that I research or cover on the show, I can't think of one where a reward actually like solved a case. It seems like that's not a big motivation. Yeah, certainly not in Canadian cases that I can think of. Yeah. And they also might not release that information, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, this person came forward and took the $50,000. I don't think that I've ever seen that reported even. No. Yeah. Well, but yeah. if it was, like, if it does happen, it should be reported to kind of normalize it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, almost I agree. like, you know, because uh, if it, and I know that would work because if you think when somebody wins a lottery or something, the <laughs> like the lottery company will like require them to get photos, get the money and stuff because it gets yeah. other people pumped. They're like, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. But if they had yeah. some, you know, masked figure collecting a fifty thousand dollars in cash on the evening news for yeah. you know telling on the guy for doing the right thing, yeah, and celebrating them, that would just yeah. maybe that would just help you know, normalize it. Cause it's, yeah. but I, but I get that in, you know, the world of crime, there's the taboo yeah. associated with um, being a rat. Yeah. 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 That whole thing. But yeah. Uh, but I have a feeling it's only a matter of time before we're doing a follow-up episode with this solved. I feel like, I feel like something's going to happen. And I, and I can almost tell who in talking to you both is like the, the wheels are turning behind the scenes. hundred percent. I think that, you know, the documentary that came out really turned up the heat. I think the media hits that have come out with, you know, global doing a story again. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously you and, and us doing an episode, I think the heat has definitely turned up on these, on these folks and Mm -hmm. um, someone's going to crack eventually. What did you think of the documentary? I call it a documentary. I guess more, it's more of a, I guess, a short film. I absolutely loved it because uh, I I know what they were, what they wanted to do and what they wanted to do was so very important, which was to humanize the experience of friends and family of, of murdered people. Like uh, specifically this one family in this one community, you know, and I don't know. It was just, it was just so powerful. I just, I really appreciate it. It was heartbreaking. And they didn't get into, you know, the details really. Mm. They just got into like the, what is the life of this person, the life of this person and and the impact on the family. And I just, it's so funny because we talk about these, the, 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 for lack of a better term, the bad guys or whatever. Right. Mm. And how we need to incentivize people to tell the truth or this or come forward. And it's like, how can you watch that video and still be okay mm-hmm. if you it, did this. You would need to be an yeah. inhuman or a complete yeah. socio psychopath to not be moved by that. And what you said, like what uh, with you knew what they were going for. That was the feeling I had as well. Where it was really like the the short film, say fifteen minutes long. It it tells the story of how great of a guy Tanner was and how great his family is. It has just a little blurb on, you know, the the circumstances re- surrounding his death. It gives you enough information to understand what led to his death, but then it gets into a, a big section on all of the people that come across as just genuine nice people. It goes mm-hmm. through their grief with them just sitting in front of the camera, explaining, yeah. you know, what it's like to lose him. And there was one of his friends in particular, one of Tanner's friends who could hardly look at the camera. He could yeah, hardly I talk. I was watching that and I was just crushed. That seeing and is that guy. the one that we included in our, yeah, Riley. And, yeah. and there's the moment where I believe it was Riley in the, and in the, in the, in an outtake that they kept in the documentary, Kim comes in and, and holds him. Oh, that's so awful. Because, you know, like 
she she knows you know she knows the they were kid they were childhood friends yeah that was and so it, sad and, that was tough and the documentary maker kept it in on per like yeah. because it was so impactful mm. just so impactful yeah i think i think the true crime community as a whole needs to see more of the stories that you know we love to listen to true crime stories and i and i hope that we can love listening to them in this way as like you know getting to know the victims families friends and being empathetic that way instead of, you know, kind of wanting to know the ins and outs of the mm-hmm. murderer. Yeah. It's like, I don't care about the murderer. I want to know more about this person that had their life taken away from them. And, you know, the family who, you know, their life is never going to be the same anymore. And, you know, that's why we started this podcast, which is why, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you and I connected to this documentary so much as it's similar to what we set out to do with this podcast mm. is, you know, we want to tell these, these families stories and, mm. you know, humanize the person who was lost instead of trying to figure out what went wrong with the person who committed the crime. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. tons of podcasts who yeah. do that and, you know, no shade towards them. I understand what you're doing. I understand why people love that stuff. I love it too, but we wanted to come into the podcast space and do something else. Yeah. Mm. And I know that like, I, I know that you interviewed, um, uh, Taylor Sampson's brother mm-hmm. Connor, recently. Yeah. yeah. Connor. Yeah. And like, and I watched, I watched the video last week cause I'm researching that case right now. Oh, and, great. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. I know there's always going to be overlap, <laughs> Sorry. With, but it's uh, eclipse. But, well, that case is yeah. that's big. Cause that's going back to trial it's, soon. That's, that's why, why that's why that. I want to hop in on it because mm-hmm. I just wanted to, because again, I believe that a family has been wronged more than once. Hell yes. I believe that I believe that you know I know I know why the the private investigator was an issue. Mm-hmm. I understand that intuitively as a human being, but the, where's their son mm-hmm. and go to jail? That's all I have like you know and so so any, uh, but I in researching it I saw that you had interviewed Connor and and I watched I watched Connor walk up on stage to take his brother's degree mm-hmm. at Dalhousie and stuff and I just this is what people need to know is like, is, you know, you're a Canadian podcaster, we're a Canadian podcaster, we cover true crime. I want people to understand Canadians and Canadian stories. And I believe that the Krupa family and the Samson family and all, you know, the Awasa family, all the families that we've worked with over the last, you know, year and that you've worked with are, are, they are our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I get that. And I'll, I'll tell you, Connor, if anybody who meets Connor Samson will become an advocate for his family. He is, yeah genuinely like i can i can confidently say he's one of my favorite people i've ever met and every time i see him i um because he works really near my house i see him Mm -hmm. you know twice a week every time i see him he shouts across the store to me or my son he'll come up and hug me and whatever we're doing we'll stop and chat for a few minutes and he's just the most lovely guy and but when he talks about his brother you see yeah. Immense pride, but then you also see pure heartbreak. Um, yeah. and it's, it's so sad. And then when they announced that, um, the person who was originally convicted of his brother's murder was getting a retrial. Um, my first thought was just like poor Connor and his mother, like to get dragged through all this again yeah. and to have it the uncertainty. So often too. Yeah. And then there's also the uncertainty, like what if the guy gets off? Yeah. And what if without the evidence that, that, 
justify the retrial like without that piece of evidence how strong is the case and they just have to get yeah. right back into it all it's just it's yeah. it can be so cruel um well and that's we talked to kim last night she called to to talk to us about the episode that we put out and you know it what has dawned on me after the last year of doing these cases is that there any even if you if you're familiar with uh familiar with Heather Stuka and, yeah. and, you know, Marshall Awasa and all the, these other families there, there's a moment that comes when the police stop calling mm. yeah. and, and they're alone. Mm-hmm. And I just like, and I'm not like, I'm not some savior. We're not some saviors or anything, but it's, if I can just for at least a week or two weeks or whatever, just let them know that they're not alone and that people see them. And, and, and people then they still want to, yeah. you know, talk to them and hear mm-hmm. their loved one's story and put it out there and ensure that it's getting, you know, the listens and the the eyes on it that it deserves. Then yeah. yeah, like that's, I think for us at least, and I'm sure for yourself as well, downloads are one thing for a podcast. Sure. Yeah. We all love to see that our podcast is doing well, but interviews with, with, with family members of these people is probably the most rewarding at the same time, difficult and heartbreaking and awful. I mean, it's so, it's so um, emotional to talk to loved ones of these people, but it's so rewarding too, to just have that human connection and be allowed to tell their, their loved one's story and to be given that, you know, opportunity and responsibility to do so is it's yeah, it's my, it's my favorite part of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I I often tell people too, is like, cause not everyone's into podcasts and when let's say when, uh, when Tanner's story is covered by global uh, in, in that city, maybe global reaches, 500,000 people, let's just say as just to throw a number out there, our shows would be only a fraction of that, a very small fraction, but the people who listen to our show, it's a different news watcher consumer than who sees like a two minute hit on global. They're listening They're They got us in their headphones or in their car. It's or getting groceries. They're listening to like 55 minutes of like curated you know, information yes. about this story. Full so immersion into the story. Yeah. And, and I think that's why people come to sh- podcasts for this kind of content. Cause it really gives, we, we give the chronological telling of the story in a way that's both entertaining and gives you all the details yeah. and generally get into like, you know, what's coming next, what happened before it, it generates kind of it it makes people want to advocate. So I think, um, 100%. although the, the, if the mainstream and the police aren't all over Tanner all the time, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping between our shows, we've gotten, you know, 50 people who are online yeah. writing about Tanner and trying yeah. to figure yeah. it out. Well, and that's, the, that's the thing is, and going back to what I said earlier is at any given time, there are a couple people who are pulling the line for Tanner, mm-hmm. you know, Kim can't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Mike can't do it all the time. The family can't do it all the time. So every now and then, if one of us hops in there and pulls the line for a bit or, or even, gives them a break. And yeah. yeah, if a listener hops in and decides to start a, a, a GoFundMe to, to raise that reward, mm-hmm. you know, if people feel inspired and I say this to anybody listening to this, if you feel inspired to help this family and they're, you or know, any family that like yeah. you feel connected to their story at all, mm-hmm. then, then do it. I think that that's something that we've all like learned over the last number of years, you know, is that we, we can help, you know, not to be too altruistic, but we can help and make things a little bit better, you mm-hmm. know, and make things a little bit less comfortable for people, you know, like, like the people who took Tanner's life. Yeah. You know? But no, I agree. And it's, 
the other thing too, is you never know who's listening. So there could be, we just need to reach someone's ear who has that little piece of detail and it happened and it does happen. I'll tell you yeah. in, in my show very recently, um, somebody who listens came forward with like really big information related to a story. And, and it just, it, it surprises me sometimes how, just doing something like this on a laptop in the spare bedroom can yeah. connect yeah. you with people who are. You never know. Yeah. Frank Jang uh, tweeted at us that he'd, uh, he'd love to come on our show. He was the IHIT spokesperson. And then, yeah. and he's then we also, right? yeah, he's moving to another position in the okay. RCMP. So he's just not going to be the media guy anymore. Yeah. Okay. It's a hard job. Yeah. But so, then oh, we, we yeah. I got in contact with a, a small town RCMP uh, media person and I said, hey, you know, uh, true north, true crime. And he said, oh, I listened to your episode on uh, on Jordan Holling, who went missing in my town. Um, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. I was like, you, li- the, the RCMP listened to this? And he's like, oh, yeah, it was great. And so, you know, you never know who's listening. Yeah. All right. Well, I think mm-hmm. we're, we should do this again when you do an episode about Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I'd- yeah. I'd love to talk to you about that off, off, off camera. We'll do it. <laughs> How about off and on? Uh, yeah, yeah, both, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. But I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. You blew my mind because it's obviously a lot has happened in, yes. you know, the week or two since we've been doing this. So mm-hmm. congrats yeah. on, uh, on your episode. Congrats on one year of true North, true crime. Thank, Thank you. you. People who want to find your show and find you on social media, where they, where do they, where do they go? Uh, so Instagram at TNTC pod, same on Twitter at TNTC pod, or just search true North, true crime on Facebook. And we're available on every podcasting platform. <laughs> Thank you for not listing all of them. No, God, no, you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks you both. And yeah. we'll do it again soon. That was our conversation with Jordan at the nighttime podcast and the Canadian true crime podcast eclipse bonus episode. Before we go, we want to once again thank Jordan for having us on his show. As a newer podcast, it felt pretty great to chat with Jordan and to join him on the Nighttime Podcast. We've both been fans of his show for quite some time. Most importantly, we want to thank the Krupa family for trusting us with Tanner's story. If you know anything about Tanner Krupa's murder, we encourage you to call your local police or call Crime Stoppers. We also encourage you to visit the website whathappentotanner.com to learn more about this case. True North True Crime is an independent and self-funded podcast. If you would like to donate to the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. It can be a one-time donation, or if you would like to become an honorary producer of the podcast, you can choose the $5 a month member option. Also, we now have some True North True Crime merch available. If you'd like to check it out and support our show that way, please visit our Linktree link in our bio on Instagram or on Twitter. We will also share that link in the show notes of this episode and all of our episodes, and we'll probably be sharing it endlessly on social media. So get yourself a True North True Crime t-shirt or a coffee mug for those warm summer nights. We'll be back next week with a new episode of True North True Crime. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, gang. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.